You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 4, Isaac plans to bless Esau. We're told Isaac was old and blind and didn't think he'd live much longer than his 137 years, the age his half-brother Ishmael was when he died. He certainly didn't expect to live another 43 years to the age of 180 as he would. He calls for Esau and tells him that since he is old and doesn't know when he'll die, he wants to confer his blessing on his eldest son now. To commemorate the event, he asks Esau to take his archery weapons and go out and hunt some wild game for him. He asks his favorite son to prepare his favorite food, which he calls the kind of tasty food he likes so that he can eat his last meal before he blesses him. Since Isaac is 137 and he was 60 when the twins were born, that makes them 77 now. So we need to get the idea out of our heads that these are young men. Also, Jacob isn't even married yet, so he will marry late in life. So this is a surprising plan on Isaac's behalf. He is ignoring the words of God to Rebekah that the elder would serve the younger. As well as Esau's bartering away of his birthright and his marriage to Hittite women. Verses 5 to 13, Rebekah's plan to deceive. We're told Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And this seems like she actively planned to eavesdrop rather than it just being a coincidence that she overheard the conversation. And this reminds us of Sarah listening in at the door of the tent as Abraham spoke with their three visitors in Genesis chapter 18. As soon as Esau leaves to hunt, Rebekah calls her son Jacob. This is the dysfunctional family, divided by favoritism by the parents. We see this in the emphasis of his son Esau and her son Jacob. We see there has been constant conflict ever since the boys were young and lined up under either parent based on their temperaments and interests. But we see Isaac willing to go contrary to the revealed will of God and bless Esau instead. He is deciding for himself who should get the blessing. He is driven by sensual desires, as it mentions six times his love of food. Rebecca is also a schemer who incited Jacob to sin, and she shows disloyalty to her husband. She may have rationalized it based on what God told her about the younger son ruling over the older son, but she should have left it to God. Her plan will put Jacob's life in danger from his brother. Jacob is also a liar and a deceiver, whose only qualms were about possible punishment if he used to be caught in the lie. Esau is a faithless man who has already given away his birthright without a second thought and married unbelievers. Afterward, he blames Jacob for his earlier actions and comforts himself with thoughts of murder. None of them are blameless. And this is the chosen family? She repeats what she overheard, then she suggests a plan. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat 
so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Rebecca's desperation to secure Isaac's blessing on Jacob led to her deception. She and Jacob were very much alike, so she was sure he would follow her lead. She thought the end could justify or excuse the means. But Jacob sees a potential problem and objects at first. But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. So his concern doesn't seem to be about the plan itself, but its implementation. He also fears the consequences if he is found to be a deceiver. It could backfire and he could end up with a curse rather than the intended blessing. Rebecca already has a backup plan and takes full responsibility. The plan to dress up in costume is obvious and almost laughable, but see how we are able to excuse our sins? She says, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go and get them for me. In a sense, the curse does fall on her, as she'll lose contact with Jacob from then on. Verses 14 to 24, Tests and Lies He gets the goats and Rebekah prepares the food just the way his father liked it. Then, even though Esau was married, Rebekah still had some clothes in the house that belonged to him. These were the best clothes, which could have been associated with his role as the eldest son. And since he was more of an outdoorsman, he likely would not miss these fancy clothes. But they would have had the smell of Esau on them. Rebecca dresses Jacob in them. Then she covers his hands and the smooth part of his neck under his beard with the goat skins. I still can't get over Esau's hairy neck. Then she, sends, she hands him the tasty food and the bread she had made. The deception was complete. The drama unfolds with six tests by Isaac and five lies by Jacob. When he walks in and greets his father, the first question Isaac asks is, who is it? He was blind, but his hearing would have recognized the difference in the voices of his sons. Jacob answers with three lies. I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. He may have been suspicious, but in Isaac's mind, only Esau knew of the errand and the reason for it. Isaac asks, how did you find it so quickly, my son? This was a legitimate question, since hunting took time. And here was an opportunity for Jacob to stop the deception and confess. Instead, he lies quite easily and even invokes God's name to do it. The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Each lie sustains the previous lie, and a tangled web is being spun. And what's that saying by Sir Walter Scott? Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we've practiced to deceive. No doubt still suspicious, as a third test, Isaac asked Jacob to come close so he can touch him, to know whether he was really his son Esau or not. Jacob approaches him. Isaac can't reconcile the contradictions. He can't rely on his sense of vision anymore, so he appeals to touch. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He may also not have trusted his mind, considering his age. He doesn't recognize that it is really Jacob, so he plans to bless him. 
But he asks one last time, very clearly, Are you really my son Esau? So Jacob lies outright, I am. Verses 25 to 29, Jacob takes Esau's blessing. Isaac asks for the food, which Jacob serves to him along with some wine. Then he asks for a kiss, which is another test, using his sense of smell. Being blind, his sense of smell would be heightened. Isaac inhales the clothes on Jacob and is finally convinced that Jacob is Esau, so he blesses him. And it's ironic that this man, who was so influenced by his sense of taste for stew, should be deceived by his other senses. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. With all lingering doubt removed, Isaac blessed his son. And the opening phrase shows he really believed it was Esau. The rest of the blessing for prosperity and superiority ended with a repeat of God's words to Abraham. So it was apparent that Isaac believed the covenantal line should have continued through the eldest son. Perhaps he didn't believe Rebecca's account that God told her the older would serve the younger, or he chose not to believe it. Perhaps his favoritism of Esau blinded him to his faults and his cavalier attitude to his birthright. Perhaps it was plain disobedience. We don't know, but God overruled it. It was done. Jacob got what he came for, so he exits. Verses 30 to 40, the discovery, leftover blessing. If this was a play, you'd see Jacob had just exited stage left when Esau enters stage right. Coincidence? I think not. He had prepared the game and brought it to his father. Then he says, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Imagine Isaac's shock to hear the voice of his son Esau saying what he had just heard from the other Esau. He asks, Who are you? He answers, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently as the realization of what had just happened hit him. He says, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. He suddenly realized he had been opposing God's plan, so he would not revoke the blessing. Esau also realized with what a scandalous thing had just happened and what he had lost. He burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said, Bless me, me too, my father. Isaac tells him it was no accident. Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. To deceive someone is to cause them to believe something that is not true, typically in order to gain some personal advantage. It usually carries the ideas of craftiness and betrayal. And all of that was in this episode. So not only Esau's tears were bitter, so were his words. Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Remember, the name Jacob meant supplanter or deceiver or grabber. Esau thought his name suited him. 
Esau felt he was a true victim. But he misremembered the previous event about his birthright. He claims Jacob took it, as in stole it. But that was not what happened. He gave it away in exchange for a bowl of stew because he thought so little of it. In hindsight, he may have felt tricked, but in that case, he had only himself to blame. In this instance, though, Jacob was a true deceiver. Then he asks, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac confirms the validity of the blessing he gave away to the wrong son, even though it was done under false pretenses. I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? He reinforced that Jacob would be superior to him and all other relatives. What was left to give? Esau plaintively asks, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Esau hoped for some scraps to fall from his father's table. Could he not find something to give him? He wept aloud. So Isaac gives a secondary blessing that would not undo the first one, and in fact reinforced it with the words, You will serve your brother. Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Jacob had been promised the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth. Esau would be far from those things. He would live by his sword. One day he would grow restless of serving his brother and would rebel. Esau himself would fulfill this in 36.6. But Esau's future descendants, the Edomites, would fight with Israel often and shake off uh, Israelite control several times. One example is in 2 Kings 8.20, which says, In the time of Jehoram, Edom rebelled against Judah and set up its own king. Others are 2 Chronicles 21 and 28. So this blessing could really be called a curse. Verses 41 to 45, the fallout. Esau doesn't retaliate, nor even confront Jacob about it, as far as we're told, but he does hold a grudge against him. A grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will towards someone resulting from a past insult or injury. He also thought his father would soon die, so out of respect for him he held off on his plan of revenge. He says, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He didn't know his father would live another 43 years. Hatred and bitterness take a lot of effort to sustain. You have to keep ruminating on the event and the feelings it caused. It's been said that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. For all we know, Jacob may not have felt at all bad about what he'd done until the day before he was to see Esau many years later. So Rebecca gets word, probably from the servants, about what Esau had said. So she sends for Jacob, who was probably not staying nearby for fear of his brother. He is told, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. The New King James Version says he comforted himself concerning you by intending to kill you. So this plan actually made him feel better. Psalm 64, 5 says they encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? In the future, 
Haman, the enemy of the Jews, would restrain himself, thinking he'd soon be able to kill Mordecai and all the Jews. Rebecca also didn't know when Isaac would die, and she feared she'd lose Jacob soon. So she, she suggests a plan. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while, until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Rebecca had asked Jacob to obey her twice earlier. Then it was to fulfill this scheme. Now it's to escape the consequences of it. She suggests he flee at once to her brother Laban's home. She thinks he'll only have to stay there a while until Esau calms down. She thinks, or at least hopes, that Esau will one day no longer be angry with Jacob because he will have forgotten what he did to him, as if it was a small matter. And her reason is clear. Why should I lose both of you in one day? If Esau were to kill Jacob, he could also be killed as punishment. And since this would occur after the death of Isaac, Rebekah would be truly alone. So although God overruled their sinful actions, he showed his disapproval of them in the effects felt by the family. Little did Rebekah realize that when she first came up with this deceitful plan, there would be severe consequences for Jacob. He would never see his mother after that. Esau wanted him dead. His uncle Laban would deceive him. His family would be in conflict, and he would be separated from all but his immediate family for years. Neither Rebekah nor Jacob are to be praised for helping God with the fulfillment of this promise. It was already Jacob's lot to be preferred above his brother. He did not need to do this manipulative scheme to make it come to pass. Esau was like Cain in his desire to kill his brother, because his brother was acceptable to God while he proved himself unworthy. His plan to kill Jacob would take away the opportunity for him or his descendants to have dominion over him, much like Joseph's brothers would think they could prevent his dreams from coming true if they killed the dreamer. Verse 46, In-Law Problems We already saw in chapter 26, 34, and 35 that Esau's two Hittite wives were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. But now she tells Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. Was she being overdramatic? I think that while it was true that they weren't happy about Esau's choice of pagan wives, she may still have been scheming herself. And as we'll see in the next chapter, this convinces Isaac that it's best if Jacob goes away to find a wife, which was what Rebekah wanted for his own safety. It also reveals a weakness in Isaac in failing to ensure that Esau found believing wives, as Abraham had for him. And this may have led to resentment and lack of respect from Rebekah and made her feel less guilty about manipulating her husband in this way. Scarlet Threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Jacob, who is later called Israel, was a deceiver and a grabber, living up to his name. His sons would also take after him. 
This is a characteristic of unbelievers. We are to put away all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. By contrast with Jacob, there was no deceit in Jesus, so he was a true Israelite. Jacob and Rebekah thought the end justified the means, so they didn't hesitate to deceive Isaac and defraud Esau. But we must not do evil that good may come. Rebekah said to Jacob, My son, let the curse fall on me, because he feared his father's wrath. Jesus took our curse by becoming a curse for us, so that we no longer need to fear the wrath of our father God, and we could have the blessing. The writer to the Hebrews refers to this episode as an example of someone who desired God's blessings but didn't want God. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Hebrews 12:17. Likewise, there are those who now despise the blessings of God, who will one day cry to have them, but it will be too late. Jacob and Rebekah did not need to do this manipulative scheme to make God's will come to pass. However, even the sinful acts of people are under the sovereign control of God, and he will make even those things serve his purposes, because he does all things for our good and his glory. God will keep his promises, but it won't be because Jacob deserves them. It is because God is faithful to his covenant. We are no more deserving than Jacob, but God gives us so much through Jesus Christ. Many times in scripture, the elder brother or brothers will be envious of the younger brother, but the younger brother will be preferred. We see this in Cain and Abel, Ishmael and Isaac, Esau and Jacob, Joseph's brothers, Ephraim and Manasseh, or David's brothers. And although he was the eldest, Jesus' brothers also resented his popularity. Jacob clothed himself in skins in order to obtain a reward. Jesus clothed himself in human flesh so he could live and die for us. And because of this, we will one day be clothed in immortality. And because of what Jesus did, we are now members of the church of the firstborn. Jacob receives the blessing of the firstborn. And Jesus is the firstborn that Jacob points toward. So this episode places Isaac in the hall of faith because he blessed his sons in accordance with God's plan, even if he did it unknowingly at first. Hebrews 11.20 says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 28. May God bless the study of his word.